And we, we want to identify it not to shame ourselves, not to feel less than, but simply to marvel at the grace of God that forgives all of it, every bit. And here was the big aha for me. He has not only forgiven me from my past, all, all of my past, stuff that I will never say in public because it's it's just abhorrent. He is forgiving me for every mistake I'm making right now. Even in our 30 minutes together, I have surely said something that was a little out of line, a little out of scripture, a little something. And, oh my goodness, if I'm going to live another 10 or 20 years, think how much more sin I have ahead of me. (laughs) Except here's God. His grace covers it all. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Melissa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And I think it's safe to say that we've all made some bad decisions. And as a result, we've all experienced the regret and sadness that comes with those mistakes. So today, we want to revisit our conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs when she shares with us about her own past mistakes and how she went from what she calls a bad girl to finding freedom in Christ. That's right, Erin. And she'll also help us discover ways in which we can move forward from our brokenness to a life of wholeness in Jesus. But first, just a little bit of information about Liz Curtis Higgs. She's an author, a speaker, and well, I call her a comedian because she is hilarious. <laughs> She's most known for her book, Bad Girls of the Bible. And it's through some of the stories of women in the Bible that Liz discovered freedom from her past and hope for her future. So let's get to it. This is God Hears Her with Liz Curtis Higgs. So Erin, this is Liz, and I'm just delighted that you guys get to know each other too. Well, Liz, I can't wait to hear your story. I have so many questions and thoughts and just reading about your journey. I know there's so much that I can that I can learn from you in this oh, conversation. I hope so. Yeah. That's really the point, mm-hmm. isn't it? To encourage one another and maybe teach by example. Uh, mo- my life is mostly what not to do. <laughs> 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 but, um, but. I think that's the real deal is what does God do with a bad girl? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the whole idea is not to be identified as a bad girl and stop there, but it's like, if you're a bad girl, former bad girl, or still a bad girl, mm-hmm. um, what does God do with that? And it's yeah. such good news. It is such good news. And you know, before we mm-hmm. go into your story, I want to make you comfortable by challenging Aaron and me. Let's just tell a story of when we were a bad girl so that so that Liz knows <laughs> she's in safe company here and as do all of our dear friends listening. Yeah. So I'll start. Okay. Okay, it was a Halloween night. And I don't know what I was dressed up as, but we were trick-or-treating. And I know I was in high school, and I should have totally known better. But. But. I heard that but. I rang the door. Mm -hmm, That but. But. I rang the doorbell, and the door opened. It was actually one of my friend's homes. And her mother answered the door, and I hurled a raw egg into their entryway. And it cracked and landed splat on her avocado and cream flocked wallpaper and ran down the wall (laughs) while I dove into the bushes to hide. What in the world was wrong with me? I mean, I knew better than that. Bad, Elisa. Bad, Elisa. (laughs) 
that terrible? Oh my gosh, that's, oh my awful. Gosh, that's awful. That's awful. Okay, Erin, when okay, were you well, a bad girl? Well, before I go into like, because I have so many stories of me being a bad girl, <laughs> I want to know what the definition that you guys are thinking is a bad girl. Oh, just be as bad as you want to be. We'll, we'll get that out with Liz later. But <laughs> you just got to dive in like I just did, girl. Come I on. mean, well, I mean, like, are we talking like... I mean, yeah, I like teepeed people's yards and I, I have stuck forks in people's yards and broke them off so it'd be really hard. <gasps> I've, yeah, y'all, I've done That's that. Terrible. But then, but then I've also done things that have, haven't been good for my heart and making mm-hmm. choices and mm-hmm. entering into relationships that weren't healthy. So that's why I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. what are we defining as bad? Because yeah. I could tell you a few I, stories. I, oh, I yeah. think it all well, counts. All I can <laughs> say is if eggs on the wall and forks in the yard is as bad as you guys get, bring in some <laughs> real bad girls because so far I am not yeah. impressed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got worse. I was just teeing it up. But you know what, Liz, you're here and we really want, if you're willing, and we want Mm -hmm. this to be your comfort zone. Can you tell us why you've ever seen yourself as a bad girl? How did that phrase come to you? Yeah, and I appreciate your comfort zone statement. One of the things I think for me, because I did not, I went all through my teen years, my bad girl years, about a decade of really bad, 17 to 27, where it was all the stuff. It was sex, it was drugs, it was rock and roll. It was a man after man after man after man. It was one night stands with men whose names I never knew. And I was so proud of being a bad girl. I mean, what I, I should have been ashamed, hmm. but I actually was really proud of myself that I was better than anybody else. I would keep track of how many different men I slept with in any given city. It was that bad. So all your listeners just went, good grief. But see, Liz, do you know what that was about for you? Wanting to be as bad as you could be and keeping track of that? It's, It's a desire to excel. I'm not kidding. I wanted to do the best I could do. And when I realized that, sadly, sadly, um, I had an experience Mm -hmm. at 16 where a man, I won't go into details. Let's just say I came out of the other side of it, no longer um, chased, pure, and I was so naive I didn't even Mm. understand it. But on the other side of that, you know, you start going, well, I guess I can't be perfectly good, so I might as well be perfectly bad. I also was such a rebel, and I still have a bit of that in me, that rebellious heart. God uses it, uh, in particularly in reference to your comfort zone. I have no comfort zone. I will tell anybody anything if... If it will point them to the grace of God. So if telling you how bad I was gives comfort to my sisters who are listening and going, oh, well, gosh, I only slept with four guys. I guess there must be hope for me. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. so comfort zone for me is I am comfortable in the arms of my Savior who has mm-hmm. forgiven me for all of it. And that's it's the yeah. all of it that takes my breath away every day. Mm-hmm. And that never ends. I was... Plunged under the grace of God 38 years ago, but I I never forget what Liz at 26 was like. In fact, somebody I've always said I'm going to write a book called Liz at 26, the year before I met the Savior, because I never want to forget that woman. Mm. I remember what drove her: insecurity, a no sense of worth. Um, it's too late. I was all about it's too late. I'm too far gone. 
there's nothing that can save me now. So I might as well just be as bad as the baddest girl out there and at least excel Mm -hmm. in badness. And uh, God is so good. What he does with bad girls is he woos them back into his embrace. He just woos them. And oh, he, Liz, I so connect with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And in my case, he did that with me with um, co-workers. I was in radio and doing rock and roll radio, and a couple came breezing in from uh, Los Angeles. They were brilliant, funny, cute. They were all the stuff, but all they talked about was Jesus. I had never known people like that. I thought they were totally weird, but they <laughs> loved me. <laughs> See, they took me as I was. They saw past all the ick. And said, at the heart, she's a woman who needs to know Jesus. And Mm. so they just loved me into the kingdom. And they did. How long did that take, that process? Well, you know, amazingly, not very long. I met them in September, and I threw myself into the baptistry in February. So five (laughs) five months, five and a half months. Um, But, you know, it's a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. The scripture says the path of righteousness is like the rising dawn. Step by step, you you know, each day you get a tiny bit more light. And then one day you go, oh, it's you, Lord. You're the one I've been looking for all these years. And then, of course, you step back and go, oh, my goodness, you are so righteous and I am so unrighteous. There's no hope for us to be together. And that's when his son says, I am the way, the truth, the life. It's going to be through me, Liz. It's not going to be you cleaning up your act. You just keep coming to church because I was going to church and then going home and smoking a joint. You know, I just didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I did right. not get it. But, right. um, but God and his faithfulness waited. So Liz, I want to go back to a little bit when you were talking about going through that rebellious time at that age and at 26, how long, like, what was that journey like? Was it a evolution of becoming rebellious or was it something that happened that caused you to start diving into Mm. these areas of life or to unpack that a little bit for me? Sure. I I think at first I always wanted to be part of a crowd and ideally it would have been the in crowd as we used to call it, but um, I didn't have what it took to be in the in crowd. I wasn't quite pretty enough. I wasn't quite popular enough. I was funny, and so they put up with me. You know, they'd have me around as the class clown. But when it all came down to it, they were dating and I wasn't dating, all that kind of stuff. So I found a crowd that would take me exactly as I was, and that was the party crowd. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're stoned, everybody's cool. Yeah. (laughs) So so that's how it was. You know, we we all found ways to um, numb the pain of not being part of the right crowd and created our own crowd Mm -hmm. and then once you feel accepted in that crowd well you're just going to hang there because you already know the other crowd's not going to take you so if this group will then you'll do what you can to stay there Mm -hmm. this is my story this isn't everybody's but for me I'm a girl who likes community and I wanted that above all yeah yeah and that's where you found it when you came to know God, you know, when he grabbed you and threw you into the baptistry, <laughs> I could practically hear a splash there as you said that. <laughs> you know, when that happened, I'm pretty sure this just didn't go away. I'm, I'm pretty sure your struggle with thinking I've been too bad mm. continued, mm. Um, that I maybe I want to still be best at being bad because that's familiar and comfortable. You know, those kinds of things. 
what was that process like of how did God meet you in your experience of being bad and wean you off of it maybe? Well, here's the funny thing. Much of my life changed dramatically. I mean, right away. This is so wild for me to remember this, but I did come home the day I was thrown in that baptistry and professed my new life in Christ. I went home to smoke a joint to celebrate because that's what I did. But then, then sitting there that uh-huh. Sunday afternoon, February 21st, 1982, I remember it. I remember everything about it. Um, sitting there high, I thought, oh, what if my new friends from church call me? I'll be so embarrassed. So I think I don't want to do this anymore. And you know, when it says in scripture, he gives you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean he gives you every little thing your heart desires. It means he places in your heart the desires he would have for you. And so my desire came to be want to be sober. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I okay, I did finish that little baggie of pot because, you know, I'm frugal. But <laughs> it didn't take but a couple days and it was gone and it was never replaced. Uh, and the guy I was seeing at the time came over that afternoon and had an expectation of what that Sunday afternoon was going to look like. But I sat him down and said, oh, my word, I just have to tell you mm-hmm. what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And Oh, if I just had a tape of this. I took him from Genesis to Revelation. I don't know how. I don't know what I said, but I actually did. I laid the whole thing out. As you can imagine, by the time I was done, any ardor that was burning in that man's heart was gone. And he said, so what you're saying to me is, we're not going to be doing what we've always done. And I said, that's what I'm telling you. And he left and that was the end of that. So some of it he dealt with, honestly, very quickly. But that's because that's what I needed. Everybody is different. Some of us are kind of weaned off the old life. And that doesn't mean that you didn't hear the Lord correctly or you're disobedient. I don't think so. I think the path for each of us is unique. The Savior, though, is one and the same. Yeah, and so, so he is going to speak to each of our hearts. He's going to get us where we need to go. Um, but they might look a little different for the first early steps. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I think we have to be so careful not to say this is exactly mm-hmm. how your new life in Christ should unfold. Yeah. Because then people will doubt, well, then I must not know him because I did this. Yeah. And that's not fair. Yeah. And when we come back, Liz will share not only how God continued to rescue her from her past and provide hope for her future, but she'll also help us tackle the shame that comes with our mistakes. That's coming up on God Hears Her. Want a free booklet that tells you God's amazing love for us even when we feel unlovable? For a limited time, sign up for our God Hears Her weekly newsletter and we'll send you a free digital e-booklet called Longing to Love Us. It's one woman's story about how God loved her through all the messiness of her life, including broken relationships, teenage rebellion, and attempted suicide. Go to GodHearsHer.org and sign up today. That's GodHearsHer.org. And now, back to our conversation with Liz Curtis-Higgs as I ask Liz to help us process the shame that comes with the mistakes we make. Shame that can sometimes feel overwhelming. This is God Hears Her. I uh, I resonate so much with your story, and I know we joked a little bit in the beginning about uh, throwing eggs and putting forks in yards, but I, uh, in, in my past, you know, I, I grew up 
as a Christian, and then um, I got married, and then I went through a divorce, and then after my divorce, I went through a time of just rebellion and seeking attention in bars and guys and dating, and it was all to fill voids, um, all to fill things in my life because I wanted so badly to be seen and loved and accepted, and uh, I had a moment where I felt like the Lord just was like, he hit me upside the head in a good way and was like, I love you. It was like a love smack of like reality. Uh, I woke up one day and I I chose to make different decisions and um, start, you know, aligning myself with different relationships. And it was more of a slow fade out of rebellious living. But one thing I struggled with in that season was the shame that the enemy wants to press on Mm -hmm. us and the shame that he wants us to keep us in. And Mm -hmm. it has been a continual uh, years later still. uh, You know, you recognize, oh, this popped up. This is out of fear or shame from my past choices that I made. What have you learned in wrestling? Have you wrestled with shame? And and if so, like what what would you share with like with women that are listening that may find themselves having those moments still pop up. Of course. And I would never suggest they don't for me. Of course they do. But here's the thing. God is so good that what he did for me instantly, in fact, before even I stepped forward uh, and was thrown in the baptistry, um, I was beginning to get involved with people who really loved the Lord and loved the Bible. So Mm. I was into Bible studies before I even knew what I was doing. And sidebar, I was teaching Bible studies within a few months. (laughs) When you think about that, and it's like, what? (laughs) I love it. Amazing. What? I love it. Well, and I know I didn't Mm -hmm. know enough, but I knew the one who wrote the book, and he called me to teach. It's my heart's Mm. desire. And so um, because I was so in the Word, I quickly began to discern the difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice. Mm. And so I think that's what has helped me out the most because of course the enemy comes after me with shame stuff. I just recognize his voice. And I do what any good Christian girl can do. I tell him to go to hell because we can say that. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's, great. (laughs) That's where he came from. So it's the only time you can say those words and not feel guilty or blush or anything. Um, As soon as we know his voice, we recognize Mm -hmm. The voice that tempted Eve, we recognize him, small mm. h. I never capitalize Satan in my writing. I just hate it. He doesn't deserve mm, it. That's so um, good. He's just an enemy. But he does have a very recognizable voice because he always comes back with the same voice and the mm-hmm. same lies to each of us. And so once we know that, you can stand back and say, mm-hmm. that shame isn't from God. So it's obviously from the bad boy. So we're yeah. going to send him packing. And it is amazing how the Holy Spirit comes rushing in to fill Mm -hmm. all those empty places and you can move forward in confidence. Part of it too for me is I began speaking and teaching by sharing my testimony. Mm -hmm. So right from jump, I put it all out there. And the thing is, if you put it all out there, Satan has no arrows left in his hands to throw. Right. No fiery what if they darts. find out? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, so there was good. none of that. It was yeah. like, you know, I always said I could run for public office because anything they wanted to dig up, I'd say, hey, babe, that's in page four of my third <laughs> book, you know? You know, I, I want to speak to the, the women listening who don't have, you know, a Valerie Bertinelli made for TV past movie kind of life mm-hmm. who've been good girls. 
mm-hmm. just for a second, mm-hmm. because um, I certainly am a bad girl, but I was a good girl. I really tried hard to be a good girl. And the badness I carried around really wasn't about me. It was about my my parents' struggles. And I thought it was my fault. You know, they divorced. Mm-hmm. My mom struggled with alcohol. I thought it was my fault. So when I went into therapy after knowing Jesus, I got that corrected. And I, I learned, oh, that wasn't my fault. I, I wasn't bad. So that's the way I attacked Satan. But guess what? I started getting really proud of being such a <laughs> good girl. Such a good girl. <laughs> and, and so when... I mean, I really, really, really wanted to do life right with of Jesus. Course. And so so when I would make a mistake or my family looked different than I thought it should, I was like so dumbfounded until I realized I'm proud. You know, I, and that is gross. <laughs> and that makes me a bad girl. You know, and, and so I just want to speak to us. We all share a kind of badness. And we yes. all struggle with shame around our badness. And my badness may not look like your badness and yours might not look like mine. But right. we share it. And if we could just love each other in our badness, yeah. you know, and accept and not judge each other's badness in our badness. Wow, what a world this would be. Because God sees all our badness and he's made provision for it. Okay, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I just feel like I needed to say that here. No, it's absolutely right. The scripture I hang on to is the words of Jesus, no one is good except God alone. And so part of my encouragement to my sisters in Christ, especially those who've not walked a path like mine, who actually did do the good girl thing. They fell in love with their high school sweetheart, got married. It's the only man they slept with. He's now a deacon, you know, and so it all seems good. Um, But we have to read the whole Bible and see the things that God doesn't like. And ooh, there's some stuff there. Gossip is on the list. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my snarky little selfishness. No, I don't want to share the remote control. No, I don't (laughs) want to watch golf again today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's plenty of badness still there. (laughs) Plenty there. And we, we want to identify it, not to shame ourselves, not to feel less than, but simply to marvel at the grace of God that forgives all of it, every Mm. bit. And here was the big aha for me. He has not only forgiven me for my past, all, all of my past, stuff that I will never say in public because it's, it's just abhorrent. He has forgiven me for all of that. He knows all of it. He is forgiving me for every mistake I'm making right now. Even in our 30 minutes together, I have surely said something that was a little out of line, a little out of scripture, a little something. And oh my goodness, if I'm going to live another 10 or 20 years, think how much more sin I have ahead of me. (laughs) Except here's God. His grace covers it all. Mm. That is breathtaking to me. And what that leaves us is grateful and humble. And that's what he's looking for, is grateful and humble. Liz, the title of the podcast is God Hears Her. And you actually wrote the forward to the sequel, God Sees Her. Mm. And and I think all three of us have such a passion for women to know that God hears them and Mm -hmm. sees them and knows them. How do you know God hears and sees and knows you? Well, for me, I it sounds so trite. I don't know how else to put it. I feel seen. Mm-hmm. I don't feel alone. I feel seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel heard. I have such a sense of peace when I talk to God. And though mm-hmm. I do pray like in, you know, kind of a formal heavenly father, let's talk. 
Most of my conversation with the Lord starts out, oh, and another thing. You know what I mean? It's like an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think I'd go there if I didn't feel heard. Mm. I just know Mm. that he's listening. Mm. And if I feel like he's not listening, will you please see me? Mm. Will you please listen to me? Because he is a still, small voice. So we have to be a bit still and a bit small, too. Humble, quiet, and not demanding. And then he comes rushing in. He does. So I hate to say feeling because I believe faith is a fact. It's the fact of what Christ did for us on the cross. But God has given us feelings. He has given us the ability to to sense his presence, to sense it in the room. We've all been there when we felt him just show up. He's just present among us. You're filled with such awe and such a sense of smallness, but seenness. He's Mm. incredible. Mm. It's in the stillness that we often experience being seen by Him. I love that. Because even when we don't have stillness around us, God can still provide peace in a setting that's far from peaceful. This is God Hears Her. Before we close out today's episode, just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but you will also find a link to connect with Elisa and me on social. So check out the show notes on our website, godhearsher.org. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you. He sees you and he loves you because you are his. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Daniel Ryan Day and Mary Jo Clark. And today, we want to also recognize Alicia and Gabby for their help in creating and promoting the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, y'all. God Hears Her is a production of Our Daily Bread Ministries.